Well, good morning, everyone. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Uh, it is uh, it's a privilege to be here. I know uh, a little, little surprising to be here, but uh, it's a privilege to be here, and so glad to be with you this morning. Um, I love this time of year. My family, we've spent a lot of time together just the last few days. I'm assuming many of you have spent time with family and friends. And I, I love this season because it's so festive. It's, it's a time to celebrate the lights. Uh, so much about it, it, it's great. And yet, sometimes I think we miss uh, the what and the why of Christmas. You know, like really, what, what are we celebrating and why are we doing this? And I was thinking about that uh, over the course of these last few days again, and just so much, uh, we say it's good news and a cause of great joy. That's the words of Luke. It's, a, it's good news, a cause of great joy, but, you know, it really is it good news. You know, I think sometimes the retailers have done a really good job that saying that Christmas is really about getting and getting, getting stuff and giving stuff, and, and I'm all in favor of that. I like that. I really enjoy that, but I'm not sure... That's uh, always a really good news and a cause of great joy. You know, in fact, I, in these last few days leading up to Christmas, I was here in town shopping, trying to get some things for my family, and I thought to myself, you know, I think I'd rather be at the doctor's office right now. You know? Just one of those things. Or sometimes we say that Christmas is all about creating these perfect sort of moments and gatherings and time together. In fact, um, you know, these perfect sort of family gatherings. I had a friend of mine who was saying, yeah, my mom, she's just like, she doesn't think it's Christmas unless we're all together in the same room and it's on Christmas Day. And I'm like, wow, no pressure there, right? Yeah. You know, many of you have probably been juggling schedules and trying to figure out how to get there, and, and it's not always good news or a cause of great joy because you've got to juggle all, this, all these people and being together with, with different friends or family or however you go about your business this time of year. Then I was seeing on, on the news, or actually commercial, I was watching television, and uh, the tagline was that family is the greatest gift of all. Now, you know, if we were saying Christmas is all, it's all good news and great joy, that family is the greatest gift of all, sorry, but they haven't met my family, you know? <laughs> it's, it's just the truth. I mean, I love my family, but they're crazy, you know? And, and it's not always, it's like that, right? For some of us, this has been a very stressful uh, few days, spending time with family, there's been tension. Maybe there's been hurt or deep wounds. Is that really good news and a cause of great joy? Some of us are dealing with the loss of a loved one or a friend and going through that for the first time. Is that really good news and a cause of great joy? It's hard, isn't it? I have a sister-in-law who's dying last few days we've spent some time with her. It's hard. We're trusting, because they're trusting. But it's not always good news and cause of great joy. So what is it that we celebrate? And why do we celebrate? And why do we say it's good news and a cause of great joy? I want to read 
From Luke chapter two again, these words, these very familiar words. And there were shepherds living out in the field nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. See, the good news of, Christ, of Christmas is that it is about the birth of Jesus. And it is a cause of great joy. And I want to remind us just why it is. It is such a big deal for us to take time out these last several weeks to just remember that as a church body. Why is it so such good news. Why is it such a cause of great joy? Well, the first thing I want to share, and I know Dave shared this in his teaching on Christmas Eve, and so uh, we kind of sh- uh, compared notes, and, and I would say this is something that I want you to remember and hear. It's this, that Jesus is for everyone. That's what Luke says, first and foremost. He says, and the angel of the Lord appeared to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Jesus is for everyone. It's not exclusive. He's for all the people. And in a world that is so divided, so divided religiously, so divided politically, so divided in so many different ways, racially, Jesus is for everyone. That is a really big deal. You know, Jesus' world was also divided. It was divided religiously. There were rich, there were poor. There were those who were, felt left out, who felt on the outside of the circle. I don't know if you've ever been there. I know that there have been times in my life that I have felt like I've been outside of the circle where I've been outside looking in. And the beautiful thing about Christmas is this, that Jesus is for everyone. It's for that person who's on the outside looking in. In fact, the fo- most famous verse in all of the Bible is what? John three sixteen, where it says, for God so loved a few people. No, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. In other words, there is not a single person outside of the circle of God's love. And that's a big deal. And Luke, I think one of the reasons why the shepherds, if you're ever wondering why are the shepherds in there so much, one of the reasons why I think the shepherds are in this story and have a prominent place in the story is because they were not the people that got invited to all the parties. They were on the outside of the circle, if you will, in so many ways. And God said to the angels, hey, I want you to announce this good news that Jesus is to be born, and I want you to go to the people who would most be on the outside and tell them there is good news for you. A Savior has been born. In fact, in and around Bethlehem, that's where flocks, these sheep, flocks were, were watched and raised, and mostly for temple sacrifices. 
And so the shepherds were the guys who did the dirty little work for the religious people. <laughs> the work that nobody knew about. They felt on the outside. So this time of year is something so important to know that, that you are not outside the circle of God's love. Nor is your friend or your neighbor or your family member or your coworker or anybody that you ever meet, friends. It's good news and a cause for great joys because Jesus is for everyone. God so loved the world and he doesn't show any favoritism. God so loved the world. Here's another reason why I think uh, it is good news and a cause for great joy. Jesus is real and unique. We just Jesus is real and unique. I don't know how many of you have actually seen the uh, latest Star Wars movie, The Return, Last Jedi. Okay, I'm asking for confession time. Okay, it's, it's okay. Yeah, some of you. I actually saw the movie. I thought it was a great movie. It was fun. It was entertaining. I actually grew up on the Star Wars saga. You know, when I was, uh, I think, in junior high schools when the first one came out. That was a big deal. So it's been going on and on. Now, I have a friend who's uh, kind of into Star Wars, and I realized that by kind of, I was creeping on his Facebook post, and I'm like looking, and I'm going, wow. <laughs> He's really into Star Wars. How many of you are Star Wars fans? I mean, you would say, I really like Star Wars. Okay, some of you, okay. Now, I came to realize some things here in the last few days about Star Wars fans, that there is a a whole world of, of Star Wars fans, and, and there is a universe, uh, kind of a separate universe of Star Wars. Like there are blogs, there are web pages, there, there are all kinds of things where you can go and you can find out, and people are talking about these obscure characters and about whether or not they're rebel sympathizers or if they're really, you know, they're really traitors or whatever they are. I'm like, you guys are just creeping me out just a little bit. And so I, I actually grabbed my friend the other day and I said, you know, I think we need to have a heart-to-heart -heart just between friends. You know, Luke Skywalker and Star Wars is not real. He said, yeah, I know, I know, I know. But here's the deal. Jesus is the real deal. And he's unique. It's one of the reasons why Luke put all of these weird details in there. You know, when Quirinius was governor, or in the days of Caesar Augustus, and he puts all these strange little details throughout the, the, the story of Christmas. Why? Because he's setting the time and the place where this actually happened. In fact, one of his purposes in writing the whole Gospel of Luke is found in chapter 1. He says it this way. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. In other words, I'm writing for a friend, and I'm writing these things so that you can know that these things actually happened. Why is that such a big deal? Because we have a person, and his name is Jesus. We can actually know him, we can actually relate to him. 
unlike most of the characters in the Christmas story that we celebrate in our world today. He's a real person. He's real. In fact, we can know all kinds of things outside of the Bible about Jesus himself. We know when he, when he lived, where he lived. We know that he had a following and that he did supernatural things, supposedly, through his followers. We know where he died. We know who killed him. We know that there were reports of him actually raising from the dead. We know that all from outside of the Bible. We just have to know our history. He's real. And he is unique. That's the other point that Luke is trying to make. In fact, he spends an awful lot of time in these first couple chapters of this book, this book of the Bible, describing two different births. One is the birth of, his, of this guy by the name of John, John the Baptist. And then he goes into describing this other birth, this birth of Jesus. Why? Because there was some confusion Aren't all of these religious people the same people? No, they're not. They're not the same. Yet John's birth was miraculous, but Jesus was incredibly miraculous, born of a virgin. Think about that for a while. And born in a stable. And then he lived a unique life. And he died a unique death. And his followers claimed that he rose again from the dead, uniquely. He's not like all, any other religious leader. He is real and he is unique. That is good news and a cause of great joy because we can know him. And we can relate to him. And he relates to us. Let me also say this. That I believe that Jesus' birth is good news and a cause for great joy because Luke reveals his purpose for coming. If you look in these verses, he uses three titles that are really important. Today in the town of David, a savior, that's the first title, has been born to you. He is the Messiah, second title. The Lord, third title. Savior, Messiah, Lord. Savior, Messiah, Lord. Let me just pull out one, this one Messiah. It's an incredible word. It's actually used a lot in the Old Testament scriptures. It means Christos. In fact, some of us get confused. We sometimes think that Jesus Christ is, Christ is an actual surname, like Stainhook. That's my last name. No, it's not. Christ is actually a title, like president or doctor. Jesus pre president. Jesus Christ, Christos. It means anointed one. In fact, if you go back in the Old Testament, it means anointed with God's authority. It was used of the kings, of King David when he was anointed by Samuel with oil. He became the Christos, 
the anointed one. The anointed one was God's authority, the authority to rule God's people. And then that, that term was sort of picked up by the prophets. And over time, the, there was this promise throughout the, God's people in, in the scriptures, this idea that there would be an anointed one, the one who would come, this capital A, the capital A anointed one would come. And Luke is saying, the anointed one, the one given God's authority, has come, has been born. So, what does he have authority to do? Well, there are lots of passages of scripture, but let me read, basically, throughout the rest of the Gospel of Luke, he tries to describe what is it that Jesus came and had authority to do. Well, in chapter four, verse 18, it says this, Jesus was actually speaking and he spoke and he quoted Isaiah. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, to proclaim, to proclaim, to proclaim. In other words, Jesus has been given the authority to speak God's word. Jesus is the one given authority to speak, proclaim. Now, how many of us in this room haven't we desired somehow, God, would you speak to me? Or haven't we prayed that prayer? God, I need to hear from you. Well, Jesus has been given authority to speak. And if we listen to him, he has the authority to proclaim God's word and God's truth to you. That is good news and a cause of great joy. Luke 4, verse 40, says this. At sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness, and laying his hands on each other, on, on each one, he healed them. In other words, Luke says this, he's been given authority to heal. He's been given the authority to heal. Now, as I was sharing just, just yesterday, we were with my sister-in-law. She's 43 years old. She's dying of cancer. She's in hospice care. She's in her last few days. Let me tell you, we prayed, and we have prayed for her healing. Now, I don't understand it, but God is not going to give her physical healing on this side of heaven. But here is the most amazing thing to me. Gavin and Melissa are so trusting and they know deep in their soul that he is giving them the ultimate healing. And that's victory over death. And that is powerful. And that is good news. And a cause for joy. Jesus came to heal. Jesus also came, it says in Luke chapter 5, verse 24, to forgive. He has the authority to forgive. Now, if you're like me, 
I have a long list of things that I'm deeply ashamed of. But guess what? Jesus has the authority to forgive that. In our midst of our brokenness and our shame. That's good news. And ought to be cause for great joy. He's come to forgive, to heal, and to forgive, to heal a broken heart, to forgive your sin and your shame. He has the authority to do that. And he has the authority, I believe, to lead. That is that title, Curios, Lord. He has the authority to lead. In Luke chapter 5, verse 27 and 28, there's a great story about one who is outside the circle of the religious people who didn't belong. And Jesus went out and saw him, a tax collector, by the name of Levi, sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Jesus has been given the authority to lead. In other words, to give purpose and meaning to life, a new direction. Maybe you're here and you need a new direction and you're ready to turn the page into 2018. Wouldn't it be great for you to say, you know what, this year, I'm going to seek to follow the Lord, the King, the King of all kings, the one who has authority to lead to heal, to forgive, to speak, and to lead, lead my life. And then there's that authority to save, the Savior. In fact, Jesus' name means he saves, the one who saves. In other words, I think this talks about the character of who he is. He, he's ready to meet us where we are, wherever we are. He wants to rescue us. Do you need to hear a word? Do you need to be healed? Do you need to experience his leadership in your life? Do you want to know his forgiveness? It's good news. So what can I encourage us to do? I know we hear that you hear this a lot here. What's the next step? What's the next step for you? Well, if you go back in, into this story, I love the, the shepherds. Go back to the shepherds just for a minute. What did they do? In verse 16, it says, they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. So the first thing they did is they investigated. They went and checked it out. What would it be like for you in 2018 to decide, I'm going to check out this guy named Jesus. I need to investigate. I need to find out more. I need to know, is this really the real thing? And what does it mean for my life? Can I put a shameless plug in for starting point? You might want to join in. You know, Faith is not the absence of doubt, friends. 
In fact, the, the older I get, the more, more doubts I have. In fact, the deeper they seem to get. And yet I have a deep abiding trust because I think faith is ultimately sort of believing in God's good intentions despite my doubts. Trusting God's good intentions in spite of my doubt. Maybe it's time for you to check it out, to investigate. Then the next thing they said, they said, when they'd seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told him about this child. They went and told others. It's like they got involved in this, in this thing, this movement. They shared. They'd share what God had done in, in their life. And they had some good news to share. And then it says, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. At the end of the day, you know where they ended up? They ended up worshiping, bowing the knee, praising, thanking God. Now, why is it that we spend a lot of time and effort and energy on all the decorations and, and the special services that we did over Christmas Eve. And we spend a lot of time and energy as a church, you know, to set all this up, to have great music, hopefully good teaching, all of that. Why? Because we want you to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We want you to know that there is good news, that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. He is here, and he is among us, and we can know him. And he wants to lead your life. And he wants to heal and to forgive you. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we're so thankful for this time of year in so many ways. We're thankful more and more that we recognize uh, that you have come to be with us. You've come to save. You've come to speak a word of encouragement or truth. You've come to heal a broken heart. Lord, you come to forgive and you want us to experience the goodness of your love. Lord, thank you for that. Thank you for your, uh, your grace and your mercy. Thank you for your presence in our lives. And Lord, I pray as we go into this new year, Lord, that we would more and more recognize you in the midst of our everyday. That we too with those shepherds could give thanks and praise for who you are and for what you've done. Lord, we pray all of this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.